here in just a second. I'll have Tara come up. Tara, actually, do you want to just come up now, babe? Yeah? Sybil, you stay with the girls? There we go. That's going to work. <laughs> All right, so um, what we had there was just a little video, and what, what we wanted to do with that was to give you a, a quick glimpse of what it looks like where we're at. So we're in a small town called Hermanus. It's in the Western Cape, so the West Coast uh, of South Africa. South Africa, in case you didn't know, it is its own country. It's fair. I didn't know that before I went there, okay? So, uh, <laughs> um, however, Tara did know that because Tara was raised in Cape Town, South Africa from middle school onward, correct? Something like that. And um, what you got to see there at the beginning of the video and really throughout are images of our church, Anchored Baptist Church. Um, and the little tagline came up, working to reflect the diversity of Hermanus um, as we gather to hear good news and as we scatter to share it. Um, so South Africa is a very diverse place. Um, right now in our church, I think we only have four language groups, four or five language groups represented. There used to be a couple more, and that's changed. Um, but yeah, it's, it's diverse. There's a lot of different people. There's lots of different kinds of people, even within culture groups. Um, and also what you got to hear there was the Apostles' Creed. Um, the Apostles' Creed read in English, in Afrikaans, in Kosa, and in Shona. And um, so those are really our four major language groups represented. And I don't know what to describe to you about our church. Um, look, we're, we're actually similar in size. We are, um, it's just a small church in a small town, really. It's nothing impressive to look at um, until you start digging just a little bit below the surface. Um, and what you then get to see is people's lives that have been changed by Jesus' death for them on the cross. And not only that, but people that are very different from one another, that out in the world, as it were, just outside those doors, probably would have no good reason or any acceptable reason to interact with one another. But once we come inside those doors together, um, there's nothing that we share in common still except for one thing, and his name is Jesus. Um, and this is a very beautiful thing that we get to then be a part of. It's a beautiful work that God has graciously placed in our hands. Um, and now, uh, as we're gone, in the hands of the whole church, too. And so um, our oldest son, Finnegan, uh, he's not here with us today. He's at home sick. Uh, so I was up with him all night last night, and I basically got to have the live-tweeted version of our church service in South Africa, so I'm very excited about that. I got to get the call at 2 o'clock in the morning. Hey, wait, where are those keys at again? Oh, okay, yeah, sure. Um, I think I didn't actually speak English words or any sort of discernible language, but uh, my, my intern Joshua figured it out, and I think that they got everything unlocked. So I'm, I'm, very, I'm very happy about that. Um, but so that's one aspect of our ministry there, uh, and that is planting churches, specifically planting Anchored Baptist Church. Now, you guys know, as a small church, it's hard to really reach outside of your doors sometimes and um, 
pursue a lot of different things without distracting from uh, the main thing. And so one of the things that we also get to be a part of is called the Acts 29 Church Planting Network. Uh, And what this affords us the opportunity of doing is helping other churches to get planted and support other pastors as they raise up new congregations and um, welcome people into the faith. Um, So that's one thing, planting churches, right? Uh, But I want to talk about building families a little bit too. And uh, I'm always hesitant to share other people's stories unless I have their permission. So I got permission. Um, And I want to tell you, they actually didn't show up in the video. I forgot to put their picture. It's an elderly couple. Their names are Melvin and Moraine. Uh, And Melvin, he comes from a part of Cape Town that during the 1950s was the only integrated, that is where all culture groups are coming together, part of the city. It was kind of the last place of the city where people were allowed to be living next door to one another. But in 1950, his family was loaded into a bus. Their items, what they could carry, were loaded with them, and their house was unceremoniously torn down behind them. Um, At which point, any sort of generational anything was lost for Melvin. And um, Melvin uh, has lived uh, a journeyed life now at this point. He's been a faithful Christian for the majority of that life. He's a beautiful man. I love him. He's one of the biggest encouragements in the whole world to me. And last Sunday, two Sundays ago rather, we were sitting in Sunday school and we were going through a psalm and uh, I asked the question, hey, just as, because most people, when you ask them like, what's your golden age of church? What, what's the time that you remember the most? Most people are going to say childhood. Like they're going to talk about that one summer that they remember clearly. And I asked Melvin, I'm like, Melvin, golden age of church, what was it for you? And he's like, Pastor, Pastor, it's right now. It's right now, Pastor. In fact, Pastor, we have to keep this church going because this is where I'm going to die. And, um, you know, for Melvin, who, culturally speaking, we're not the same. We don't fit in together. In fact, there's no one else like Melvin in the church, okay? (laughs) And yet, um, he knows where home is because that's where he knows he gets the goods, as it were. That's where he gets the good news of Jesus given to him each and every Sunday. And he knows that that's what he needs to keep on hearing each and every Sunday uh, up until he, I assume, buries himself. I'm not sure what his plan is exactly, but uh, it's probably something along those lines. Um, So that's one end of the spectrum. And so we want to plant churches. We want to build families. Even for Melvin and Moraine, um, they've they've suffered uh, great loss in their family. And so to be constantly reminded of that good news that we have in Christ is a, is a rebuilding thing for them. But, T, can I pass, can I pass this mic to you, T? Is that okay? Can I use this one? No. Is it working? Okay. Thanks so much for having us. This is really fun to be back. I feel like whenever we're back in Marysville, it's like trying to get a glimpse of what Wade's childhood was like and he always has all these stories that he's telling the kids and they never believe any of them <laughs> because even when we got here he's like you see those trees over there I used to put my knife in my mouth and then I would climb up to the top of those trees and 
Um, so it's fun for all of us to kind of hear all these things and wonder what Bill and Cindy were doing. I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, Bill's at home with our oldest, so hopefully there's no uh, climbing trees. And, but anyway, um, so thanks for having us. Um, this video is really special for us, and it's fun to watch. I think our youngest, Sybil, has watched it probably 30 times since we left home because she's really homesick, and she's missing seeing these familiar faces of the people who we um, interact with and love and serve and do life with every day. And so when I think about the families that we work with, it's a pretty broad spectrum of what that looks like. Part of our ministry is working with families that have moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas and kids. And some of the families that we work with aren't um, traditional families. A big part of our church body now is working with different um, safe house uh, ministries in our area. And so these are foster care homes, and those kids are then a part of our church as well. And that's been a really good experience for our church as we work to reach out to the community around us and as we are blessed by what those kids bring to our lives. Um, you know, it's interesting in church planting. Church planting is always changing. It's never the same, and from year to year it changes. And COVID was difficult for everybody. And I hope it's for you, like it was for us, that as many of challenges as it had, it had some really good blessings for us as a family and for our church. Because what COVID did was it brought a huge influx of younger people back to where we live. And we've seen these young people who could be disillusioned by church and the gospel and by life during this season come back to church with really big questions and wanting answers and they've come excited to learn about who is God who is Jesus what does that mean for my life and how does that impact where I'm going so we've had a group of younger people come to church and you heard Wade mention Joshua he was one of the voices in the video um, his intern and that's a really really cool story about how God brought him to our church and into our lives and um, when I think about the families that we work with and I see the Lord work in their life, I think of us just being this very small piece of how God has led them to where they're going. And yet it's really comforting to us because as we see God work through them and in them, we know that it's not because of us. And this is actually really helpful for us because the burden of um, of what God has gifted you to do in these good works, you realize isn't your responsibility, but it really is just how the Holy Spirit works through your life and then how you can um, share that with other people. And so, yeah, building families is it's challenging. When you work in a country where 68% of homes have no fathers, um, poverty has huge implications for how family structures are set up and how kids grow up. Um, it's, it's extremely challenging, and sometimes we, to be honest, feel like tossing in the towel and giving up because it just feels too big. The social workers that we work with to um, 
do the safe house ministries and you'll we'll talk about safe anchor yes um we're hoping to open up a new foster care home soon um in just our even our small area we have over 250 kids in long-term foster care that doesn't include all of the kids that are emergency removals temporary placements and when i talk with the social workers that we work with they say, you know, we need you guys because all we're doing is pulling kids out of the water and we have to hand them to you and you have to dry them off and you have to sort out what happens next because we can't do it. And so for churches in our area, it's vital that these ministries are there because um, without them, there is little hope for what is next for these kids' lives. And so those are kind of some of the big things that we've been involved with with these last three years and kind of where we see ourselves going next. Yeah. So planting churches, building families, and developing communities. And so that's kind of our last piece of a, a three-piece puzzle. It's not a complex puzzle. Uh, <laughs> that's the last piece of the puzzle, though. And um, Tara's been talking about the safe house ministries and so on and so forth. And one of the things that over the course of, it's almost six years for us now. In fact, when we get back, uh, the Sunday that we get back, uh, barring any uh, airplane illness, I'll be getting to preach again for our sixth anniversary service. Um, And over the course of these six years, one of the things that we've had to come to grips with is the limitations, yeah, kind of the limitations of small church life and what it is that we're actually able to do in our community um, as far as, you know, allowing the good news that's been worked in us to overflow into good works to our neighbor. And it's been six years of trial and error and getting involved in different things, and just really in the last, uh, during COVID in particular, um, we, Tara was able to pour into those safe house ministries and not just get our church involved, but pull together churches in the community to be serving those safe houses and those children, which now is not only a good thing for everyone involved, but it's good for us too as a church because we're looking to begin in 2023, what year is it? Yeah, 2023 Safe Anchor House which would be a, a place of safety home um, for the, that our church would be responsible for. It, it's something that is sus- hopefully sustainable. It looks to be sustainable for our church going forward. And, and it's something that um, gives our church the ability to have that focus of saying, um, we can't do everything, but we can do this one thing, and we can work to do it really well. And uh, we think that that is not only going to be a blessing again to our community, but it's going to be a blessing to our congregation as well. So, yeah, planting churches, building families, and developing communities. And i got to say, while we're gone, uh, Tara brought up uh, the intern. He's actually called the pastoral resident, but it's a lot easier to just call him the intern. And I've found myself over the last couple days, uh, I mean... I've been discipling Josh for two years, two days a week at least, for two years, um, uh, getting together, and now he's taking care of our dog, Muddy, and now I'm missing Josh, and I'm missing Muddy. I don't know which one I miss more. I hope that Muddy's taking care of Josh. I'm worried about them both. 
Um, but I've, look, I've really tried to make him responsible over the last two years. And much to our disappointment, um, one of the other young people that came into the church during this time, Josh is going to be, uh, they're going to be getting engaged while we're gone. And so we should be going back home to a wedding as well, which we're really excited about. Um, T, anything else we need to say right now? I, that's it's such a such a brief overview of everything. Um, I, I actually forgot to set my timer, Matt, because I'm responsible. Um, but uh, afterwards, we'll happily take questions. And um, yeah, I think the last thing that's important to say is just thank you very much. Thank you for your involvement. Calvary has been a big part of our ministry over the lifespan of it so far, um, and we really appreciate your involvement, not just financially, which is a huge help, um, but just the involvement of keeping up with our family and encouraging us. I think the last few years have had significant challenges, and for you as well, and so know that we, as we are doing what the Lord has called us to do in South Africa, we remember you guys and what you're doing here and really appreciate your involvement in what God's doing in our church, the life of our church and in our family. Our kids have grown up a lot over the last three years and we, I think as we get older, we realize how much we need the investment of other people in our life, not just in our ministry. So thank you very much for being a part of that, and um, it's, it's a blessing to us. Yeah, sorry, you know, um, it's funny, the kids, uh, I didn't want to bring them up here and embarrass them, and Finnegan's gone, but even as I was recording that video, and I had to list off all the names of the people in our family, I was very confused. I couldn't remember which names I had said and which names I hadn't said. So um, I know that there's, there's five of the children, okay? I do know that much. Finnegan is 11. Aislin is 9. Maeve is 7. Yes, okay, I'm getting a yes from Aislin. I got Kean over there, who's 5, and then Sybil, who is 2. And Sybil is uh, Tara's twin, in case you were wondering. They are twins. Um, yeah, and we are so thankful for, um, our, our flights got all messed up on the way back, and so we're so thankful that we actually made it here, um, and God's graciousness to us in the journey and everything like that. Um, I am going to pray for us here in just a second, um, but just to give you an idea, uh, look, I don't usually recycle sermons, okay? You're, you're not getting a recycled sermon. It's fresh for you today, all right? Um, but what I wanted to do today is also give you a taste of what preaching sounds like uh, at Anchored Baptist Church. And what you might realize is it actually doesn't sound that much different, all right? And hopefully that is a good thing, all right? Let me, let me go ahead and pray for us, though, um, and then uh, we'll get started. Father God, we love you. Uh, we are thankful, Lord, for the opportunities that we've had already this morning to lift up your name, uh, the opportunities that we have had already this morning to be reminded of our sin and to lay our sin before you um, so that you will graciously and mercifully remove it from us 
and give us new life each and every day as you promised to do. And Father God, as we uh, dig into your word here for a couple of moments, um, I ask that, that through your word and by your spirit, uh, you would be softening our hearts, that you would be strengthening us and encouraging us, and that at the end, Lord, you would give us the comfort uh, that is ours because of what Jesus has done for us. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. All right, so each sermon I start off with a big idea because I use a lot of words and I need you to know where we're going. So here's our big idea for today. You are set free in Christ. You are set free in Christ to stop defining yourself by what you do. You are set free in Christ to stop defining yourself by what you do. And if you want to, you can turn over to Galatians chapter 5 this morning. I'm going to throw you right in at the end of Galatians uh, to a passage that you probably know, or at least think you know. No, you probably know it. I'm joking. You know it. You know it. Um, In fact, you probably could list off the fruit of the Spirit like my children can to me, because I can never do it for them. Um, So Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through 26. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You will love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. To keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. They're clearly seen. Here's some some fun words for us. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. (laughs) I love that Paul covers everything else like that. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against things like these, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, and envying one another. I'm going to take you back in time here for a second, ask you a question I want you to think through. What do you think Moses expected to see his first trek down from Mount Sinai? You know this story, right? God's first people uh, escape Egypt. 
They've been freed from slavery. And now these free men and women uh, who make up God's first people, they had every option in front of them. No one was chasing them. No one whipping them. No one stealing their children and killing them. A moment of peace. A moment to make decisions for your family and for those people camped out next to you. So that these neighbors who you sweat with and bled with, who you struggled and suffered beside, who you just faced death with not too long ago, now you have a moment to breathe and begin to create a new life with these people around you out of the freedom that you have been given. Perhaps he expected to see um, people waiting around on a word from the Lord. And some people were certainly setting up their tents and slaughtering animals for dinner and just doing general life stuff. Did he expect to see God's newly gathered and free people enslaving themselves to the worship of a pagan god who needed to have a golden cow made to represent him? Probably not. (laughs) And perhaps in response to what Moses was seeing, we could borrow some words from Paul just a little bit earlier in his letter to the Galatians. You ran away so well. You trusted in a wonder-working God to save you. Who distracted you from the truth? You were called to freedom, brothers and sisters, for the sake of freedom. Now, as a side note here, I'm not talking political theory today. This has nothing to do with political freedom or rights. We're talking about being free from God's condemning law. Well... You too, brothers and sisters, have been called to freedom. Now, we all know how this freedom thing works, though. If we were the ones that were allowing someone else to have freedom, say a child, the first question we would have to ask ourselves is, what rules do we have to put in place to limit their freedom, right? Because children will kill themselves, and most adults will too. However, on the other hand, if we're the ones receiving freedom, and then someone comes to us and says, well, kind of, if you do this, that, and the other thing. And then in that case, we all respond, well, no, you gifted me my freedom. How can you set rules back on me? No, I'm free. You can back off of it. Thank you very much. So what is Paul going to say? Is he going to say, you were called to freedom, but here are all the rules now that you must follow in order to keep your freedom? No, no, that was happening with Moses and God's first people out in the wilderness. Paul does not say, out with the old law and in with the new. Instead, he says, in Christ you have been set free. That's it. You've been set free for freedom. I don't know if teachers or your parents in the room, I don't know if we still do this, um, but it used to be, or at least in movies, everyone used to say, well, you can do anything when you grow up. You can be whatever you want to be. 
And now, as an adult, I realize we say things like that to wash our hands of responsibility. So that when children do make their decisions and they grow up and they say, ah, oh, man, I think I made the wrong choice. Whoa, that was your choice. That wasn't my choice, right? This is what we like to do as adults. And we do this because we know that uh, once we're starting to do something, there's anything else that we would rather be doing than the thing that we are doing, okay? Um, it's too late for us, and so we like to torture those who are coming after us. <laughs> and as a kid, I heard things like this in school, and I was confused because do whatever I want or anything I put my mind to, those were pretty big and moving targets, especially since I couldn't put my mind to anything and I didn't know any of the options. Wow. It's all a bit exhausting even to think about now in parenting. And so, yes, as adults, we now say, well, those were your choices. But here's the point. Sometimes, and all the time, we confuse freedom with choices. We confuse freedom with choices. And to stay with this way of thinking, I have a good friend. Um, he's really good at math, all right? And I say that with great reverence because I'm not. And he just gets it. He always has get it. He probably got it in the womb. He's definitely getting it after the womb. And uh, he, frankly, was born to be an engineer, right? And uh, everyone knew this. You look at him, you know it. No one ever told him, hey, you know what? Have you ever considered your options? Have you ever thought about becoming a chef or maybe a horse groomer? Or a florist. <laughs> no, everyone always told him, keep your grades up, and then you can choose whatever kind of engineering you want to do. See, he has the freedom to be a good engineer, frankly, because of a lack of options. <laughs> freedom is not getting to choose whatever we want. And we are gifted freedom by Jesus, and we only have it in him. And this freedom is given to us for a reason. What did Paul say it was? Well, it's not an opportunity to continue acting selfishly. That's what we've been freed from. Because that selfishness is slavery. See, before Jesus justified you or made you right and righteous in the eyes of God, before he justified you and gave you all of his righteousness, you were enslaved to performance. And that's exactly what's going on in the book of Galatians. Your identity could only ever be what you did. And you know this right now from your life outside of these doors. If you're dishonest, people know you as a liar. If you act ignorantly, well, there's lots of words that people use to describe you, but at the very least, you are taken less seriously. The churches in Galatia knew this, and they knew that they wanted to be seen by God and all of God's people as real Christians. So how do you do that? Well, of course, in Galatia, this was the issue. To be a real Christian, you follow the law, you get circumcised, you do all the things that actually point away from what identifies you, defines you, saves you, and changes you, and that is Jesus. His person and work, his blood shed 
for you. So you are no longer identified by what you do, but instead by what Christ has done for you. His name has been placed on you, and you are a different person. You have been set free in Christ to stop defining yourself by what you do. So no longer acting selfishly, but rather showing love through service to one another. You've not just been set free into nothingness, but you have been set free into something for a reason, for a purpose. I know for us, and probably for you as well, the last two and a half years of COVID and being separated and being together and separated, blah, 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 um, it's easy to feel purposeless. All of a sudden, you're separated from someone physically, and the assumption is that person doesn't need me anymore. Well, that is a lie from Satan, and also, (laughs) it doesn't feel good to be without purpose. In fact, it, it kind of feels like a prison. Otherwise stated, it feels like slavery. You are no longer free when you no longer have a purpose. But you have a purpose. In fact, Paul says in verse 14, if you want to be so concerned about following the law, you must not understand that you have been set free from using the law for the sinful purposes of saving yourself. And you have been declared free by being given a new heart that can actually or truly love and serve because of your right standing before God. Your right standing is no longer tied up in what you have done, but instead what Jesus has done for you. And that's called real love and real service. Real purpose that's been gifted to you. And then Paul tells us in verse 15 that holding up the law as a standard to be achieved instead of as a mirror that reveals our sin is going to keep all of us at one another's throats which also is what was happening in Galatia. You had some that claimed to be free, and you had some that claimed that in their freedom they could follow all the law all the time. And then it became a game of who's in and who's out. It became a game of accusation and backstabbing and throat cutting, devouring one another, as Paul said. There was always finger pointing and trying to figure out who was out, who was in. Always taking one step deeper into obedience to works of the law instead of looking to Jesus who had gifted them faith, gifted you faith. In 16 through 23, um, we now see lists that you're familiar with. And these lists are actually meant to play off of one another, be sort of an opposite, a mirror of one another. One of them is obviously negative, and then one of them is obviously positive. And the purpose of these lists are not so that you can write them down with little boxes and make a checklist. No, the purpose of these lists uh, is to show two ways of walking. Paul uses walking language throughout all of his letters, uh, and twice in our passage this morning. 
I'm not sure how you've been taught this, but this walking, it doesn't have anything to do with a certain type of walk or strut or the shoes that you're wearing, nothing like that. It's not some sort of mystical or magical thing that you need to somehow dive to the bottom of to figure out what's happening. Um, Walking here is simply a picture for what you do in your daily life. How you live your life day in, day out, waking up to sundown. So if you're living your life for things that um, you have been set free to use your life on, uh, you will not be trying to please your sinful self at every step of the way, every step of the day. One more thing that we need to understand here. Paul is not talking about flesh as in our physical bodies. Uh, Flesh is also a picture for something. He's talking about all of our sin. That is, the sin that we were born with, that we received from our first father, Adam, and then the sin that we do on a daily basis. And in the same way here, the spirit here is not just some invisible, warm, and fuzzy thing. Uh, The spirit here is the life that you live as a Christian. Now, with all this talk of flesh and the spirit... uh, This is a good time to be reminded that you will not be perfect in this life. You are always going to be 100% made right in God's eyes because of what Jesus has done for you. And you're always going to be 100% sinful. See, I told you I wasn't good at math. That's 200%. But you're going to be both of those all the time. (laughs) And you will be until the day that Jesus returns or you are made complete. what, What the Bible calls glorified. So these verses are good for us to hear because it's a good reminder that freedom is actually a battlefield. It's a bloody mess, and there are casualties, and you will seldom be whole in battle. Where's this battle waged, though? Well, in and around you. Your sinner saint, that two 100% nature, will constantly be under attack. And Satan... Your own sinful nature, the world, and the fear of pain and death will always be fighting to steal the comfort of Christ away from you. This is normal. Don't be dismayed. Do not be downhearted. Verses 17 to 18. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing what to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you were led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Pause. The law of God is good. But this does not mean that the law of God feels good. The law of God always accuses you. What are we talking about? Anything where you read, do this or don't do that. That's what we're talking about when we talk about law. We can thank God for this because this is how we see our sin. That is through the law. This is how it is made known to us that we are sinful. But we are also set free from the condemnation that is the condemning way that the law approaches us. We are not under the law, Paul tells us. We hear the accusation of the law, that is, you're not doing well enough, you're not doing enough, you're doing what you shouldn't be doing, 
(laughs) We hear the accusation of the law, but cannot be hurt by it because Jesus took our condemnation on the cross. Works of the flesh are obvious. Uh, Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, bitter disagreement, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions. Did I say envy? Probably envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. So, if your daily life is filled with things like these, if this is what walking looks like to you, Paul says this, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those that do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, if you're looking at this list and you're saying, well, man, I'm I am, I am, guilty of some of these things. <laughs> Does this mean I'm out now? Slow your roll. Are these the things that you lean on and trust in? Are these the places that you find your comfort Is this your daily walk? Paul, again, here is not giving you a list of things that says, okay, this means you're out. Instead, he's saying that working to look and act more Jewish, in this case, and less Gentile, is not how you know your spiritual status. He's saying following the law is not going to tell you whether you are a Christian or not. If you fear, love, and trust these things, then you need God to change you. You need that old, dead heart of stone removed and a living, beating heart that is made alive by the Spirit in your chest. Now, how does Paul compare our sinful nature and our redeemed nature? By using two words. Works and fruit. Works, fruit. Works versus fruit. Works come from the flesh. Fruit on the other hand, is something that must be produced in you, grown in you, planted, farmed, harvested. Something we do works versus something God does, fruit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against things like these, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Hold on just one second. I got to go back because I may not have made myself clear. If you're living in that first list, you know what God's word does? You know what the spirit does through God's word? Exactly what we sung about this morning. It's, it's an invitation to take that sin and give it over to Christ once again. But back to the fruit. Love is listed there in the fruit first because it is a sort of of seed. It's a root of all the other things on the list. However, don't be confused into thinking that you have some of the fruits and God must, uh, must not have given you some of the others. The fruit of the Spirit is a single fruit. It's one fruit, like a mango or an apple, but not like that at all. You can and should meditate on this list for sure. And you can and should work to grow in each of these areas. You know who will thank you for that? Your neighbor will thank you for it. Your closest neighbors that you live with and maybe even the next door ones. Your co-workers, they'll thank you for it. Your fellow church members, they will thank you for it. Or they should. (laughs) 
But you may not see all these fruit all the time. And you may actually be constantly battling against yourself for each and every one of these fruit to be produced by God the Holy Spirit in your life. And again, this is not a list for you to check off. Um, Like you've got it all under control. This is the work of God the Holy Spirit in your life. Changing you, shaping you. But we know that old dead Adam, that old dead Eve will be grabbing a hold of you and trying to drag you back down to the depths of the grave for your entire life. Once again, you will not be whole in this life. But take comfort. Because you have been crucified with Christ, Paul tells us. And it is no longer you who lives, but he who lives in and through you. Even if you could just squeak, eke out some of these fruit, how long can you sit by yourself and grumble? Okay, just be patient. Be patient. Be be loving. Be gentle. That's it. <laughs> no, God is doing this for and through you by his spirit. He's strengthening you. He is creating love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control in you. That's a promise. And there is no law that could ever do that, Paul tells us. Only God. The only, only the person and work of Jesus applied onto you by the Holy Spirit working through God's word can do that. So if we claim the name of Christ, if we say we're Christians, let us not follow works of the law that could never save us. Because at the end of the day, those are works of our flesh. Let us not claim some spirituality or religion through outward appearance and action when, only, uh, when the only true spirituality comes from the Spirit of God. And in the midst of this, uh, let us not become like the church in Galatia that was proud of their works of the law, that pushed and provoked one another to abandon Jesus for some other kind of spirituality. And we can pray that we would never envy one another, but rather that we would build one another up, as Paul compares for us. Let us have the mind of Christ, sharing in what he loves, doing nothing from selfish ambition or pride, but rather in humility, counting one another more significant than ourselves. Let us look to each other's interest, showing love through service. In fact, we should have this mind with one another, which is ours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as a thing to be grabbed onto. But instead, he emptied himself by taking the form of a slave and being born in the likeness of you and me. And being found in that human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even a criminal's death on a cross. 
And it was on that cross where Jesus' blood was shed for you. Here, it's there where you are declared free and forgiven. Rest in and rely upon that good news. And thank God for the good fruit that He is and will continue to grow in you. Christian, you are set free in Christ to stop defining yourself by what you do. Let's pray. God, for each of us today, I ask that uh, we would be ever mindful of these promises. Um, That you would be constantly holding up your word of law to us and showing us who it is that we are or who it is that we used to be and that you would always be holding up your, your word of good news in Jesus to us that we can see who it is that you have now made us to be. God, we thank you that you are consistently and constantly nurturing, growing, and even harvesting good fruit in us. And Lord, I pray that as each of us um, celebrate Father's Day today, as we get ready to go into our week and the world begins to shout at us, you are what you do. Well, Lord, I pray that you would give us the strength and the courage to be that good neighbor that we need to be in order to do well at the things you have called us to. And yet, as soon as we begin to apply that to to who we are in Christ, Lord, I ask that you would shout back at us and that we would be reminded that, no, we've been set free from that. God, we thank you for um, this word today. Uh, We we pray um, that your Holy Spirit will continue to, to remind us of it and be continually applying that good news of Jesus to us. It's in his name we pray. Amen.